Awesome. Okay. So last week we started a new series um, and we're looking at three things in this series. So if you were here last week, can you remember any of the three things that we're looking at? Quincy will cry if you can't remember. <laughs> Maybe not. But you weren't here. That's okay. You were That's here. okay. <laughs> JJ, J- there's a tentative. Tentative. Yes, Jada. Yes, Jada. Yes, 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 yes. You've got one out. Well done. Um, and the way we're doing it is we're working through the book of Mark. And Mark is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life, which is at the beginning of the New Testament. And we're also, as well as talking about it each week at youth, we've also got an amazing reading plan for you so that you can actually read through the whole thing of Mark while we're doing this series. So if you weren't here and you would like a copy of said reading plan, indicate now. Um, I did you? No, I still read it, but I did leave it. <laughs> oh, you read it, memorise it. And um, there's another one over there. So. Um, that was actually great. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sorry. Well, it's fit, it's fine. I apologise. Yeah. Really yeah. yeah. Excellent. So I got what I'm there. Good. So. Oh, I'm already five days behind. <laughs> That's okay. That There's grace for that. So I'm recording. Didn't even start at the start. I'm already ahead of everyone. Quincy, so Quincy read all through all through the first chapter last week, so that you can read it. You can read it on your own. Don't feel limited yeah, by what's written on the piece of paper. Okay? Okay, guys. Guys, you don't focus. It's just one verse on the last two books. Guys. Okay. So this week we're going to delve into Mark 2. And we're going to read verses 1 to 12. Which if you were in the other room earlier, you'll have heard me read along with part of it. But for those of you that weren't, I'm going to read it now. Okay? So listen up. A few days later, when Jesus again entered, uh, entered Capernaum, I think that's how you pronounce that, the people heard that he'd come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralysed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof and lowered him through it on the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, What does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that that's what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralysed man, Your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and walk and go home. He got up, took up his mat and walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. So I've got a question for you. Can you say it at the end? I'll ask you my question first. Okay. So why why did you come to Impact this evening? 
Because I enjoy it. You would have what? Didn't want to play FIFA. You didn't want to play FIFA. You would have come in here instead for the competition. Because Blaze had badges. Yeah, it's a good reason to attend. So those those are the reasons why you come to the soon. So did anyone come like expecting to encounter God or like? Yeah, In what way? They're in teaching. Yeah, they're in teaching. Yeah, these are good things. So at the beginning of this passage, it says that Jesus enters into Capernaum again, and he instantly uh, attracts a massive crowd. And if we look back at the first bit of Mark, um, we get a clue as to why this is. So when Jesus was in Capernaum last time, um, he did loads of amazing stuff. He cast out a demon. He taught authoritatively in the synagogue. He healed the mother-in-law of one of his disciples. And then when the whole town had gathered at his door, he then cast out many demons and healed many people of various ailments. So it's actually no wonder that a massive crowd was gathered. And the reason they were there is probably to see Jesus heal some more and be amazed at it. Or maybe to try and work out how he'd done it. Perhaps they were there to hear some really good teaching, some really sound teaching. And there would have been some there that were deeply sceptical as well. And they were there to check Jesus out and to see who he was and try and find out how he did it, you know, how he healed people, to uncover his tricks. So there they all are, jammed into the house. They're even craning their necks to try and see in through the doorway. And the teachers of the law, perhaps because of their exalted status, have managed to find a place to sit down in there. And Jesus starts to preach to them. You can imagine them listening intently. This is what they've come for. And I'm also picturing the ones outside the door kind of straining to hear what Jesus is saying. Like, like yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's he saying? <laughs> I think he said, blessed are the cheesemakers. You know, something like that. But <laughs> so when four guys turn up with this, their paralysed friend on the mat, like, no one wants to give up their hard-earned space in the crowd to let him through. But... Undaunted, the intrepid four climb the stairs to the roof, dig through the mud and the thatch. Whose house is this? This has got a hole. Yeah. Someone's, someone's, someone's house. I'm sure it was uh, easily well, so mendable. How long did it take? Like, how long was it just like open? Well, the Bible is silent on this matter, Toby. I'm sorry. So they've dug a hole in the roof and they lower their friend down on the mat. And now the crowd has to move out of the way because obviously otherwise they'll get a paralysed man on their head. <laughs> and those that have come to see Jesus heal people, they're holding their breath. They're like, this is what we've come for. Jesus is going to heal this man. It's going to be amazing. Except that Jesus doesn't. Although, well, he does, but not straight away. It says, when Jesus saw the faith of the four guys that had carried him there, he says to the paralysed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And you're like, okay, why have you said that, Jesus? So I strongly suspect that the primary reason that these four guys had carried him there was so that he could be unparalysed. The forgiveness of sins was not why they'd brought him along. And those waiting to see more miracles, they're a bit disappointed too. And what about the paralysed man himself? Was that he expected? Or did he think to himself, that's nice Jesus, but I was actually hoping to walk away from here unaided. 
I mean, we're speculating, of course. We don't know what most of the crowd, the four friends or the paralysed man were thinking, but we do know what the teachers of the law were thinking. They're not impressed. They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, God's son. They're the sceptics, trying to work out what he can pull off. And they're probably annoyed that everyone is so keen to listen to Jesus rather than them. They think to themselves, it's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They don't think they've got a problem. The teachers of the law haven't come to learn anything from Jesus or seek anything from him. They've only come to try and trip him up. They're like too proud to seek anything from Jesus. So I have another question for you. And you don't need to answer this one out loud. But what is it that you are seeking? What is the thing that you're looking to to satisfy you? So if you were given the sentence, if I could only something, then I would feel satisfied. What would be the thing that you would put in that blank space? Just pause for a second to think about it. Because, I mean, perhaps that's what the paralysed man thought. Perhaps he was thinking, if I can just be healed, I'll be happy. I'll be completely satisfied. And we all have that deep longing inside of us for something else, something that's actually really quite hard to describe. The feeling that something is missing in our lives, which we try and fill by things and experiences. That's when we think, if I could just do something. The gap would be filled, but actually we know deep down that we've tried those things and nothing in this world can actually fill that gap. And the truth is that satisfaction can't be found in anywhere else and in anyone else than Jesus. So one of the other gospel writers, John, he recalls some of the things that Jesus actually taught the crowds in the synagogue at Capernaum. And in one of them he says, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And in Psalm 107, it talks about how God satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So the paralysed man, he's come to the right place. He's come to Jesus, trying to find satisfaction, trying to find healing, or rather he's been brought to the right place by his friends. And of course we find out at the end of the passage that Jesus does heal him. Jesus very casually says, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he does. He walks out in full view of the whole crowd. My question. Can I think to ask my question? I'll forget it, come on. My question is, if it's so jam-packed that they can't get in, yeah, how does he walk out? Well, they've moved out of the way, so they've had to so lower him down. It's so jam-packed that they can barely move. They're just like, it was do people have to leave so he can get out? Like, how long does it take? I don't know, Jesus came. Yeah, but no, no, no. no, no not Jesus lifted up Lilith. the people and he walked out. Guys. Do you want an answer? Hush. That's not good. I don't think this is relevant. It's a little bit relevant. It's not really relevant. Let's move on. Okay, so Jesus says to him, 
I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. And he does. He walks up, elbows his way through the crowd in full view of all of them. Because Jesus loves to heal. And not just physical stuff, but mental illness and anxiety and deep hurts caused by things that we've experienced. And Jesus loves to satisfy our desires with good things. So why bother with the forgiveness bit to start with? Because Jesus knows that the paradise man needs to be made both whole, like in a physical sense, but also holy. He needs complete wholeness to be right with God. Now, we all have different personalities, and that can affect the way we think about our lives. And I personally have the sort of personality that analyzes all of my faults and in minute detail, and I spend ages worrying about like being grumpy with my workmates or taking advantage of Neil's amazing washing up skills. Um, and there are other things as well, which in my heart I know deep down of me being disobedient to God, and which I'm, I'm like less prepared to admit even to myself. And along with like murder, adultery, stealing, and coveting your neighbour's ass, <laughs> those are... You came in at the right moment, actually. <laughs> those are sins. And we have all sinned. All of us are sinners, even if we don't like to admit it, and even if we'd rather not think about it. Because can you honestly, honestly say that you've always loved your neighbour as yeah. yourself? No. I didn't have neighbours for quite a long time, so I, I still don't. Are you even it. now trying to say, who exactly is my neighbour? And what does God mean by this love? <laughs> 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 So when I asked you why you'd come to Impact today, not one of you said to me that you were looking for the forgiveness of your sins. And not one of me said not one of you said to me that you were looking that you were like seeking holiness. But this is important to Jesus. So Jesus knows that you need to have your sins forgiven and be made holy. And being sinful stops us having a relationship with God and um, being made right with him. It's this relationship that fills that longing, that aching that we were talking about earlier. And the good news is that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. And he says that to the teachers of the law when they start grumbling. He says, the son of man has authority, which by which he's talking about himself. This is the reason that he publicly declares the paralysed man's sins forgiven and then follows it up by healing the man. It's like he's saying, look, guys, the fact that I have authority to heal him proves that I also have the authority to forgive sins. Jesus has the authority to make you holy. So when we're thinking about God and sin and holiness, it's really easy to fall into a couple of different traps. So one of them is to think that we need to do a lot of stuff to become holy. And we can refer back to um, Jesus teaching the good folks of Capernaum again for an example of this. So they, at another point in the story, they hunt Jesus down on the shores of the lake and they ask him, what must we do, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus says to them, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. And they're like, that's it? Just believe in Jesus? 
But yes, it is. Jesus has the authority to forgive your sins and make you holy. You just have to ask him and you just have to believe that he has that authority. You don't have to do loads of stuff to make yourself holy. And the other mistake we can make is to think that satisfaction and joy in our lives are found in other places, are found outside of, of being holy, outside of being made right with God. By thinking, if I can just do that thing, then I will be satisfied. Then I won't feel so hollow, I won't, life won't feel so meaningless. And these things might not be bad in of themselves, but unless you trust God to ultimately satisfy you and to give you those good things, to give you the desires of your heart, then it would be like you're chasing the wind. And we can also think that holiness equals unfunness, some kind of grey existence where we're not allowed to smile and where everything we do is being critiqued by other holy people, or even by God himself. But if you remember last week, if you were here, what Quint said what, about what holiness actually means, holiness is being set apart, being other, and that's in a good way, so in an exciting and phenomenal and mind-blowing and glorious way. And if you remember our favourite memory verse, the one about, and we all who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, glory. and are being transformed into his glory. image with ever-increasing glory. glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Glory, glory is the manifestation of holiness. Like, holiness is like beauty actually describing what it is like describing what beauty what is beautiful is really difficult isn't it but we can say yes these things are beautiful and just like glory shines out that is like the manifestation of holiness so salvation alone is not god's end game and healing alone <laughs> is not god's end <laughs> God created you and he loves you and he doesn't just want to satisfy you and give, good, give you good things in this life and he doesn't just want to stop you from suffering from eternal punishment and separation from him when you die. He offers you holiness and wholeness together and that's the way you were created. But in this life, we won't see the completion of this wholeness and this holiness. We see some of it. We see people get miraculously healed and like freed from their addictions. But then we see other people that aren't. And we don't, we don't understand why. And... We might have turned away from our sins and been holy, made holy by Jesus and reconciled once and for all with God, but then we still seem to struggle with sins and get stuff wrong. And it's this paradox of God's kingdom having come by Jesus coming to earth 
and dying and then being raised again and being yet to come fully. But when Jesus returns for the final time, for those who've done God's work by believing in Jesus, our complete wholeness and our complete holiness will finally come to pass. And this is what John, who's one of the apostles, saw in a vision from Jesus. Listen. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So, what are you seeking? Are you seeking a miracle? Are you seeking holiness? Are you seeking to have your sins forgiven? Are you the sceptic trying to work Jesus out? I mean, have you asked Jesus to forgive your sins and make you holy, to reconcile you with God and receive eternal life? If not, do it today, because Jesus has that authority to forgive your sins and to make you holy. And if you've already done that, then keep turning to him to help you keep on being changed from one glory into another. And are you desperately trying to do the works of God and feeling tired and run down and like God could never be pleased with you? Remember this, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. And that can be to believe with faith the size of a mustard seed. Or perhaps you're feeling unsatisfied and joyless and weary. Remember that God satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. He is longing to make you holy and whole. He is longing to make you as you were created to be, which is whole and holy.